Hey everybody, welcome to the question of the day podcast. Actually, the first question of the day podcast. Um, Given a little bit of an intro for this because uh, as you'll notice in a moment when you start to hear the episode that Conchita and I were kind of feeling our way through because we actually didn't yet have a name. We were still trying to figure this out, but we really wanted to get into recording and starting the conversations that we were going to be having. So you're going to see a bit of a stumble through. Um, We didn't edit it too much because we wanted to kind of have you see our thought process, but I wanted to also let you know and give a little bit of a beginning of everything so you can kind of understand where we're going from. So hope you enjoy and look forward to hearing you for the next. All right, peace. All right, I'm going to follow your lead. You're going to follow my lead. Okay, so you know what the funniest thing about this is, is is we'll probably have to record an intro later, but we we, we don't have a name. You're right, we don't. <laughs> so like um, retro, like after this, there'll be like a name for the thing that we don't know as we're talking right now. So the thing you're going to hear up top will be done after. Okay. Going from the past into the future. I'm I'm confusing myself. Let me stop talking. The state of affairs, the current state of affairs. How are you feeling? Well, I'm good. 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 You know how, how, you know, held up in my house. I'm drinking water. We should introduce ourselves first though. Oh, that's a good, that's a good point. Nobody knows who we are. Nobody knows who we are. No one knows who we are. Who are you? Uh, I'm Conchita Campos. I am here in New York. We moved in the middle of a pandemic from the Bay Area. We are chilling. <laughs> there should be like a special, like, I don't know, article about people who moved during the pandemic because I just don't understand how that's physically possible to move oh during a pandemic. That's just crazy. It's hell. You know, honestly, oh, did I tell you that? Um, so my husband, Jacques, he works for a company. <laughs> that relocated him here and he was furloughed when we got here and the times actually reached out to him to you know they were getting because i think their company was one of the first to lay a bunch of people off after the really um, okay yeah so um the times started reaching out to a bunch of their employees and he i think he actually talked to he actually yeah i think he talked to the person but they never ended up um running his story but I was kind of like, what? How many people have moved cross country in a pandemic? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Come on, his his story is so y'all story is so much more cool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. You got a young 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 child. You moved across right. the, uh, across the country. You know, I mean, people just regularly furloughed. You you, you were furloughed and moved. I'm playing. Right, I'm we were. I don't want. Like... I don't want to discount anyone's. Uh, right, right. I was, I'm, I'm, right. I'm making a joke. <laughs> I know, but I mean, the whole idea of like relocating for a job and then getting to the place where you're relocating to and then getting furloughed that's like you know i mean we're lucky we're very lucky like unlike a lot of people we're very lucky he he got unfurloughed he's back at work so we're okay we're doing all right but no income he just he just got his unemployment after oh my goodness yeah it was like the the unemployment thing is crazy i know it took him so long to just be able to apply and then to even just get the check for the time he was unemployed. It's a good thing that we had a little bit of savings to cover. Like, but I had to, you know, the, you know, we're not unlike a lot of other people who have a lot of debt. You know, you, you can't, you're yeah. like living paycheck to paycheck. It's, yeah. it's fucking rough. Yeah, the unemployment, like, shenanigans that have I know people who still haven't gotten their checks. That's or still haven't even gotten insane. through to, like, the office. That's insane. That's insane. Oh, oh yeah. well, or, he... Or like an, it hasn't gotten was processed it? and everything like that. It's, it's taken forever for him. Here in New York or uh, I feel like I've heard I've heard a few in New York. I feel like it was one I know in Pennsylvania that they, they've had like a lot of issues with the unemployment. 
I don't know. You know, unemployment's weird because I think it's a lot of times like it's how your money shows up. Is your employer responsible about um, reporting your your earnings on time? Some employers right. don't do that. Right. You know, I I had that problem years ago with unemployment where I put my stuff up, or I quit a job and like it wasn't um, there on like the whatever whatever system they used. And I had to send them like pay stubs and then they had to like verify it with the office who never reported my earnings, which I think they got in trouble for. But it happens a lot. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and all companies really like as much as humanly possible. And this is this is across the board. I've worked at like private companies, nonprofits. Nobody ever wants to approve (laughs) unemployment Unemployment. as much as possible. They try to fight it every single time. Oh, I know. Too bad. Right. Well, I should introduce myself. I didn't introduce yes. myself. My name is yes. uh, is M Two Meg Gant. Um, I, I would imagine if you're listening to this, you you might know who know me. But if you're not, if you're new to me, uh, I am a uh, an uh, a writer, uh, an actor, a p- director. I'm a lot of things. So <laughs> I'm around. <laughs> I'm just around. He's literally the Renaissance man. That's what we call him. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. Multidisciplinary artist, talented at literally all things. No, mm, I can't kind, draw. No, it's. Oh, okay. I okay, fine. <laughs> That's the one thing. I legit. No, I'm. No, I like. I'm actually a really bad drawer. Like, I suck. <laughs> and I'm envious of anyone who can draw. Like, I, I have a student. She doodles in my class. And, like, when, when, and when it's done, it's like, like these beautiful pictures. And I look at her pictures and I just go, I'm jealous. You, you suck. I'm better. <laughs> you're, better you're better than me. But there's very few things I feel like that people are better. I mean, you also cook. Like, I just hate you. (laughs) I was talking, no, I mean, I, you know, you know, I love you. But, you know, I mean, I was talking about you with um, my brother, who's he's just like, you know, he wishes he could be you. (laughs) Oh, no, I wish I could be your brother. Your brother's awesome. He, he just bought your whole catalog, by the way. He's like looking. I saw music. that. <laughs> yes, I'm going to send him. A, I was going to send him a, a, a shout for that. Which, by the way, if you all haven't heard M. Tuma's music, please, please get it. It's so good. It's so good. I have new music. I have new music coming. So that's yes, been, that's literally, literally what I've been sitting here doing um, while I I'm told not to leave my house, which I agree with. Don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I don't want to leave my house. <laughs> You've I'm been not, super. I, creative though during this quarantine like you've been just hammering out different you had like you've written screenplays you've like hammered out new music yeah it's weird i told someone i said you know i didn't realize it until the quarantine started that this actually reminds me of my 20s my 20s were like really awkward like i didn't have consistent work i was always really broke you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. before, even before, like really, like really before I like kind of got into my teaching artists, like money making stuff, like mm-hmm. my, my early to mid twenties were like really rough. Like I didn't, I didn't have any money. Right. Yeah. And my life consisted of like two things, staying at home and like working on things and mm-hmm. then going out at night to events that were free. Right. right? So oh. I would go to freestyle Mondays, you know, I was in my twenties. So everyone that I knew was a bartender. So if I wanted a drink, I was getting a couple of free drinks with this friend that one night, with that friend the other night. So the only thing that's really different about this is that I can't go out to those late parties. But now right. I'm sat up at home. Like I was like, this is actually really familiar. Me sitting in my house all day right. is and making art is actually not that 
different. The, the, the thing I can't do is invite people over. Yeah. That does what I used suck. to do. Yeah, I can't like have like a, a a big session. It's funny. I I I had a phone call with one of my homies, my homie Wiley, who was like one of my like tight homies in music uh for years, ever since like high school and um you know, I was reminded like me and him we used to spend like days together. <laughs> like, wow. Like days. Oh yeah, Just like creating shit. Yeah, he'd be at my I'd be we'd be at one of our homies' house or my house, you know. Sometimes they, I think Wiley stayed at my house for two days once. Oh, wow. He stayed in my studio for, <laughs> I know, I know, I know we were in our studio for, a, for my studio for a couple of days. I think I went, I think, I think we went back to my house to shower and then, and then went, 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 went back to the studio. Damn. <laughs> so yeah, this quarantine for me is really, I do miss people. Like I miss seeing people like you. I wish we could do this in person. I know. Me too. I mean, that was the, that's you know, the kind of crazy but... thing about moving back to New York after, you know, having been in the Bay Area, is we're we're back in New York and we can't see anyone. Isn't that the weird? I mean, that is literally the weirdest thing. Like, it's so weird. It is so weird. I haven't so even seen weird. my brother. Like, that's crazy. You haven't seen your brother at all. No, because he's. I mean, he's immune compromised. So, like, until we all get tested oh, wow. and make sure, you know, we basically have to get tested every time we see him because he's so at risk. Oh wow. Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of crazy. And he hasn't seen your mom either. No. Nope. Wow. Yeah. It's insane right now. It's just the state of, it's just like the new normal is. Yeah. Everything is on Zoom, which I hate. Oh, man. I hate Zoom. Well, I, I, I did say I was like, there's a, the weird thing about this quarantine or this, 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 the, this crisis of COVID is like, there's something about it that's so like postmodern America that like, the thing that would make us all like get into a really weird state would be a thing that makes us have to stay at home and watch Netflix all day and order food out and do every like weird new new age consumer thing to kind of pass the time. That would be the <laughs> end of our world, right? The end of the planet would, you know, be virtual. <laughs> you know? It would, would be virtual true. delivery and robots, you know, shit like that. Artificial intelligence. Like it's, 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 you know, whether or not you believe in God, uh, this, this makes you believe in a God that laughs at you. <laughs> <laughs> He's gotta be you know? laughing or she. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> this is why dummies. Battlestar Galactica is so, you know, to me, I, I feel yes. like, is that the real, is that the real, you know? way it's gonna go down <laughs> oh please man it's happening it's already happening I know. but yeah it's weird i don't know and like and then the other thing that i wonder is like i don't know because people are like oh no nothing's ever gonna be the same and i said you know what i agree with that but i also feel like there's gonna be this like thing like i you know if and when there's a a vaccine discovered you know and we get to go back to like normal there's gonna be people who are gonna like kind of forget this ever happened <laughs> yeah right you're gonna be like, eh. oh yeah, I remember that thing. That was weird. <laughs> but then that you was know, weird. I mean, I wonder if that's gonna. I mean, you know, in New York City where the impact has been so big, I wonder if it'll happen here. You know, versus a place where it's, it, the impact wasn't as great. I mean, we were the epicenter here in New York. Yeah. So I can't imagine like. Well, then again, I don't know. I don't know. People have short memories. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's weird. It's it's hard. To, it's actually impossible to predict. I don't know. It's like right. it, I have I have trouble even envisioning like what a new world is. But at the same token, like 
you know, with 9-11, there was a new world, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Maybe, maybe, maybe because I was like, I was 21 when 9-11 happened, and now I'm 40. So at 40, it's hard to envision new things. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Other than everything burning down. Yeah. I mean, I was asking my mom, like, who lived through martial law in the Philippines, and I was just like, oh, wow. did you think, I was like, did, you know, if you compare the current state of the world now to, you know, what you thought was, you know, pretty much the end back then, and when you were living under martial law, and is it is it better or worse? And she's like, oh, no, this is far worse. I was like, great. That's great. Why does she think it's worse? I'm curious. Because I think, you know, there's all these things happening simultaneously. It's not just that there's, like, people out in the streets rioting. It's also that there's, you know, we're just coming out of pandemic. We still don't know if we're fully out of it, which means isolation um, in addition to, like, the you know, the riots that are, rightfully happening because of you know centuries of oppression um yeah and so i mean those two things together it's like isolation plus people fed up yeah yeah it's weird like i don't that's where i think the whole moment you know and now we're kind of getting into like the george floyd stuff where like yeah or the reaction to george floyd i don't want to like to say it's just him it's really everything kind of coming to a head where like I, 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 I've been thinking with this idea that America is, just, is really a rerun or a constant <laughs> remake. Yeah. Right. Like it's and like and what and what they do with the it's, it's actually it's more like a remake for for, 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 for the rerun. Right. Yeah. A remake always kind of like has new bells and whistles. You've noticed that. Right. Like so when yeah. you so when you so when so when you see like the old seven nineteen sixties version. Right. It was done mm-hmm. with this, but then when they mm-hmm. update it, they add you know spaceships and laser guns and mm-hmm. these new mm-hmm. elements or whatever. It's really relevant to now, and mm-hmm. it's like we're just like I feel I felt this energy before. This is why I tell people like you know I'm actually really tired. A lot of this stuff is just very tiring for me. Like I don't yeah. I, I I don't I'm not invigorated by the moment as much as I'm like exhausted by it. Yeah, and that's because I've right. been here before. Mm-hmm. But like I do, I do acknowledge its difference. But its difference is like just a remake. It's like it's it's the new version. It's Pirates of the Caribbean eight. You know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> right. it's not like it's not it's not a new movie. Like I'm not watching right. a new film. You know, I'm watching the new o- the new Ocean's films because those those are, those are remakes of older films from like a, another decade of Hollywood. You know? Right, right. So it's just weird that I. But you I know, think. I, well, I don't know. For me, I feel like the level, I feel like because there's this added level of isolation, like, you know, you you and me, we've been to the protests, like, in the past for all these mm-hmm. other, like, all the other fucking murders that happened. And right now, you know, I can't go out because of, I have immunocompromised um, family members. And so I, the isolation, I feel, not even being able to see friends, like, just being stuck indoors it's kind of driving me stir crazy and social media is not helping because there's such a, there's such a hollowness to the quote unquote activism that happens on social media. Um, that, you know, that's different when you're on the streets, like with actual people, you know? Yeah. And so I think, I think, I think for me, that's the biggest thing that's, that's, that's different or it's just harder to not feel like I can be with people in this rage. I mean, obviously I can call you, call friends and like 
you know, but it's just personal contact. It, there's like this layer that just feels really depressing. Yeah, that's probably part of it too. Like, you know, I live in Jersey City and there hasn't really been action out here. Mm -hmm. um, like there's some in Newark, but I don't live close enough to Newark. And if there's one thing in the pandemic, like I walk outside, I I, I go places when I when I want to. What I mean, like <laughs> I mean, like to the store or the park. I don't go very far, but I, I have this thing where I just don't want to get on the train. Um, right. I just don't, I just don't, I don't feel comfortable with it yet. And, right. um, part of it also is like, I've developed a really negative relationship with the train. So like, <laughs> I feel like the, the train is the triggering place for me in general. So like, I don't mm -hmm. know if I have like the energy for it. Um, mm -hmm. but also in this moment, I don't know if I can, but because of that, I'm, I don't see protests out my window. Yeah. I, I'm like, I, I can't latch onto the energy. I just right. get really bad news. I get really bad news coverage. Like I get yeah. CNN, MSNBC Ugh. talking about, and I, it's, it's not, not to go off on a tangent, but like I was like watching MSNBC and like literally the, the guy goes, you know, something that disappointing me is there's, 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 there's all these like peaceful protesters, but then, you know, there's these guys out here who are making everything bad. You know, we should be talking more about the peaceful protesters. And then he literally spends the next 20 minutes talking about the what the, what they label the bad protesters. And I was like, this is annoying. This, this right. is why you people suck. You should right. be talking about that. If you want to talk about peaceful protesters and talk right. about them, why are you talking about these people you don't think are right? Which I think is also a stupid narrative. And I don't want to get, well, we maybe we'll get into that. But no, like, we should. We should totally get into We it, should yeah. get into that. But like, but that's the thing. Like, I'm getting bad new uh, media coverage and... Or like I get like Twitter shit, or I get like Facebook, and you know, and then yesterday was Blackout Tuesday, which is like I guess something we should talk about, and I get that, and then you end up you end up getting in this like m mush of social media. Um, you're getting a protest, like you said, through social media, and it's like, huh. So part of me is like maybe I should just go out there, but I can't. Like I just can't, you know. Right. So I don't know. Right. Or I, I can, but I'm I'm not. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, I, I think, you know, we do have to recognize it's still a pandemic and there's still so much that yeah. people don't know about the, the virus and whether it, you know, yeah. there's always going to be a risk of an uptick and we, we don't know. We, we just don't know. And so I'm I'm all for the people out there like marching and, you know. Oh, same. Go yeah, ahead. Sure. Yeah, go ahead and burn shit down. Like, yeah, do what you need to do, you know, because some of us yeah, like unfortunately sure. can't, you know, I feel like right now, the, for the folks who feel comfortable, like they should absolutely be out there. And then because a lot of us, I think a lot, but then, you know, I was thinking about this. I was wondering, would more of us be out there if weren't if there weren't a pandemic? Um, and See, I don't know. I don't know. I yeah, don't know. Exactly. I, I, I agree with you. I think there's an element. It's interesting. So there's an element, I think, where a perfect storm kind of happened. I'm not saying people's emotions aren't genuine they're totally genuine i think this is totally but i think what the, what the pandemic has exposed uh is america's inability to protect its citizens mm -hmm. right america's inability and actually i'm sorry unwillingness to protect its citizens financially right. physically mentally emotionally you get people getting furloughed and laid off like i i got a homie you you, you know him well i won't say his name but i want to put him out there he got he got furloughed like the first few no no, no laid off the first three days of the pandemic God. Just, just just got laid off no severance nothing just laid him off 
right? And you got all these companies, you know, like like I know you know with no personally who are furloughing people to to get that big check money when they didn't really have to. They have large endowments of cash that they could have dipped into to help their employees out. Then you have the government saying, you know, a twelve hundred dollar stimulus is what they're going to give you, and that's going to help you. Or and and then you, then you find out all these uh, large businesses got money and small businesses couldn't, right? Yeah. And I think people. I think people have been sitting in their homes stewing and realizing how screwed up this country is, how fucking terrible capitalism is. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? You get the Breonna Taylor thing happens, mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, uh, Ahmed Arbery happens. Was that it was like a month or oh, that, that happened in February, right? That happened a while ago. And then we got the, we got right. the video. Am I, am I correct? Right. 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 So, so the, the video surfaces of, of, of Ahmed Arbery, then you have George Floyd happens. Plus you've had like what, at least two months of like little shots of like cops, Bob body slamming people for not wearing, mm -hmm. like there was like, there, there was, there was that cop in the Bronx who body slammed a guy. Right. And like yeah. you, you, you're like so it hit ahead. So that I think people were just like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Like they're fucking me up. I'm sitting in my house. They're already right. tense. They don't mm -hmm. feel safe even right. being in their own home because right. like the government is nothing to make them feel safer. And now they just they run outside and they're like, I gotta get this energy out. So I'm not saying that there wouldn't have been protests. There's always been protests, but right. I do think there is a thing with the energy of the moment that's definitely contributing to it, and rightfully so. And right. rightfully Absolutely. so, I totally yeah. get it. Yeah, there are people I know, like in in my family, that have never once been engaged in the discussion of police brutality, but who have you know gone out to protest for the first time ever, you know. Mm. And I think that's right. I think I think there's like this correlation with the level of isolation people are feeling, just like you said, with uh, along with like seeing all these images and just stewing, stewing in them. There's no distractions. There's no sports. There's no like all this regular programming that's usually there to distract people. People can't go to stores and, you know, and, and maybe people are just realizing, you know, all the confluence of all these factors. They're just, you know, finally realizing that they're fed up because, you know, there's nothing to distract them otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 real. It's real. It's like it's a, it is a perfect storm, right? But yeah, also, I guess right. it's, it's it's what the natural thing that was gonna happen because it even like it's not even so much a storm because like it's inevitable. Like that's what, what was going to happen. Like cops are right. fucked up. They they were there was it was inevitable that in this moment of like social unrest and like this crisis of of uh, this health crisis that the cops would 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 do some really fucked up shit and get and get caught on video. Mm -hmm. It was it was bound to happen. That's what mm -hmm. cops do and it's what happens, right. you know. So Right. And I think yeah. that that level of helplessness too is that's kind of that's not kind of. It's it's totally spilling out into social media in both yeah. like in ways that are engaging and also really hollow ways. Um, and I don't want to shame people for trying to be part of the movement in ways that, you know, they might not feel they can be a part of because of the pandemic. But, um, yeah. but I mean, social media in general, I think, you know, there's this book that you and I both have read, the Amusing Ourselves to Death, and I was kind of revisiting yeah. it. And there was a part there that was about television that's so relevant to how we use social media now where there's like it talks about how there's no you don't need to have a level of nuance or perplexity 
um, no. to be able to engage in the conversation. It's just sort of putting stuff out there <laughs> and just throwing it out there. Just here's, you know, it's supposed to be simple, right? But yeah. Um, but with that, I think, you know, I, I again, like, I don't want to shame people who are genuinely wanting to be a part of something and they, you know, the only way, all the only thing they have is social media. But I think there is something that's lost with all the noise, you know, all the social yeah. media noise, like the blackout Tuesday thing that you were, that you just talked about. Like that's, that's an example of people wanting to be a part of something, but, um, but then at some point, at what point does that just become noise? I guess is my question. Well, yeah. So, so that's interesting. You bring that up because so, so the whole thing with blackout Tuesday and the people, if people aren't familiar with it, uh, blackout Tuesday was, well, this is like the big thing is no one seems to like have a definitive read on what the origins of Blackout Tuesday was for. Um, the first thing I heard was it was uh, devised by two black women who work in the music industry. Um, and they wanted to do a day where you reflect where they where they would force them. They, they, they've been over acknowledging they're overwhelmed by everything that's happening as black people, as black women, um, and as citizens in this, this this world that's happening with George Floyd and the pandemic, and a day to kind of step back, right, and you know black out everything, right, and 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 reflect and encouraging, and then also to like, but then what seemed to not make sense was, uh, what, what, what people were getting worried about it was, there was this time that people are like out here protesting and things are happening in the streets mm -hmm. right and it's like wait a minute we're sharing information on social media and then you want us to be silent mm -hmm. what's going on so then all these hashtags were coming up and then when you when you put black lives matter hashtag the date before uh, blackout tuesday you can see that and get you know information on protests things that are happening but then on tuesday when you put that up all you would see is pictures of black and no information and people weren't getting information. So right. it's like, and then people were saying, well, it was never about that. This person started it. And you're like, then my, my, my brain got like mush. Cause I didn't understand. I was like, wait a minute guys, I'm confused now who started it. And no one, no one can tell me, no one can tell me. And I, I, I get a little suspicious when like a, uh, a movement happens and you can't, we can't find out who the person started, who started it was or the, or the right. group that started it. Like that's a little weird to me, right? Especially in social yeah. media where like right. anybody can create something. And, right. and that's the weird thing where I'm kind of like, I'm thinking about it and I'm like, there is a lot of noise. I feel like, I feel like the, the predicament got twisted right like mm -hmm. there is too much noise on social media but social media right. is an irresponsible is an irresponsible platform i actually don't think there's a way that we as people could make social media less noisy right i think it's in the programming hmm i mean the I only think it's in the, right it's, it's in the actual like um construction of the of the of of the devices right like i feel like it would have to be done by the people who host it they'd have to find a way to make it less noisy the curators right but then you're again then you're leaving curating to you know a bunch of corporate overlords and right they <laughs> want to keep it that's the thing 
and they want to keep it noisy. So it's like, you know, right. like Zizek always says about like, um, he's not against um, our, uh, he's not against digitizing humans. He's, a, he's against uh, corporations being the people who digitize us. Ah, right. Yeah. Where it's, yeah. Where it's like, he's like, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not against like uh, an implant to help my eyes, mm-hmm. you know, see, uh, you know, 30 miles ahead of me. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm suspicious of an implant that helps me see 30 miles ahead of me that's made by Yamaha. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Right? That's made by Buick. Like, nah, man. (laughs) Right. Right. But then would you trust the government to make that? You wouldn't either. No. I mean, the thing about it is you... Well, the private, I think like private companies and government are, are like the same in this, in, right, in this, in this world. Right, they are. It's true. Right. You, you would, would need, have to have some arna- need... anarchistic open source development, right? Right, right. That's constantly or like, you improved know, upon. Or if it was a government that was for the people, then I would trust right. it, right? If we had right. an actual government that was for the people, yeah, I would trust it. Or right. um, organizations that were for the people. So it's like, it's, right. there, it's not, it's not an inherently, like digitization is not inherently bad. You know, right. it's the programmers. And that's, and that's the thing the same thing with social media. Like, I, there's this guy, I forget his name, and I could take the moment to look it up, but it, it was not the conversation. But there's this guy I saw who talked about how social media is designed to make people neurotic and narcissistic. Like, Absolutely. I mean, just even the user experience of it. Yeah. It's yeah, like a constant exactly. scrolling, numbing, like, there's no, you know, it's not like a book where there's, like, where it's finite you know each page is finite and you have to turn the page this is like a an endless amount of scrolling that has to be damaging our the way we think in some way exactly right and he said because he because the guy he's a he's a professor or no uh he's a psychologist i think from he's from europe i can't remember what remember which country and um he talked about how he was in the early days of social media. He was very active in it. Like he was very curious about it because he figured it would be the next level of communication for humans. And he was curious of what it would do to the psychology of human beings. And he met a lot of the early designers and because he was a psychologist and the, and the, they would always ask him, what can we do to make people feel they need social media in their lives? Mm-hmm. Right. And he felt he, he was really like, disgusted by the even like that that question but other people weren't so these people are built by psycho built by psychologists so you know so what i'm saying is like like the the social media is gonna be noisy there's no Mm -hmm. way for us to make it less noisy it would take a group of people to create a a a digital space that wasn't about noise and narcissism Mm -hmm. and um all the other things that social media brings out in us or, you know, whether it's right, there inherently it, or it develops it is another question, but still, you know. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, social media just brings out, you know, I, I think you're right. I think it just brings out the narcissistic in every person and because right. of the way it's built. Right. Because there's this branding of the self that happens on social media. That is just like an extension of our, you know, individualistic tendencies times capitalism yeah yeah and so i don't know like where you know how 
it's, I mean, you know, there's a lot of organizers who use social media very effectively, and that's how these protests have been happening. That's how people find out about them. Totally. You know, and so there's this there's there's this great tool in some ways that is effective in movement building, but it's also really damaging, uh, I think, um, on a personal, uh, individual level. Uh, Adam, Adam, Adam Curtis had a great phrase for it in hypernormalization. I can't remember. He called it a great, ah, he said it's great at managing things. Right. He said it's really good at managing things. So like you can make a group, right? You can delineate things, mm -hmm. right? Come here, put there. That's what he called. He he, he likened Occupy to social media. Mm -hmm. He says it was it like all all Occupy was really able to do was to figure out how to manage each other. Like you know, like the whole mm -hmm. like speaking. I will speak when you do this. Like <laughs> and all that shit yeah. that they would do. You know, during yeah. Occupy. Which right. I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't, if some Occupy lovers are you know listening, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, but whatever. Um, it's all good. Um, <laughs> I was in Spain during Occupy, so maybe, you know, that's why I, did, I didn't feel the emotional currents. But um, but what he showed was, like, all it could do was manage. It couldn't it, – it wasn't facilitating a revolution. It wasn't. It was mm -hmm. managing people. Right. Right. right and that's and that, and that's what that's what social media does it manages you right you post right. a status right. right you write something someone doesn't like it you argue you like you love you hug right <laughs> we're just we're 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 managed in something or twitter yeah. which is like you know you throw something out you don't like it you argue you but and i and i'm guilty of it i i yeah. I, I use these platforms i'm not going to like sit up here and act like I don't use these platforms. Yeah. But like it's it's very clear that like the revolution is not going to happen on Twitter. And I'm not I think, you know, activists have to use what's available to them. Hell, I mean mm -hmm. shit. Think about it. Like in in revolutions in wartime, people used things of the state, you know, to communicate with people um who who are fighting the state. It's happened all the time. But like right. It's not going to bring you the revolution, though. I'm sorry. It's not going to no, happen. No, no. I mean, it's only a tool, but, you know, it's going to take bodies out there. It's going to take destruction, to be honest. It's going to take, yeah. you know, a real, you know, violence, sadly. And that was my thing with Blackout Tuesday, I thought. Like, I, I so I, when, when I saw it kind of happening, right, I was like, there were so many holes in it. Like, I think, like, the first hole that I saw was, like, I don't understand this idea of silencing, um, first of all, silencing anyone right now, right? So we need to talk less. Okay. Who needs to talk less, though? Are you saying a specific group of people need to talk less? Because then, like, right. six hours later, they were like, oh, that was just for white people to stop speaking. It but was? Who told that you that? Clear. Yeah, nobody, nobody made, that clear. made that clear. So a, there was a lack of clarity to, 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 to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. And then and then white people stopped speaking. Okay, you just want them to stop speaking? Okay, cool. Trust me. I think um, Paramount Pictures is really good with not speaking for one day. But if you demanded, how about a Blackout Tuesday where you demand that uh, Paramount 
actually does speak and they give uh you know the demographics of their of their company how many uh black and latino Mm -hmm. and asian people work in their offices how many Mm -hmm. films of people of color they have made in the last year right Mm -hmm. how about that on blackout tuesday they uh they give out information based on their practices like Mm -hmm. not be quiet for a day that ain't gonna do shit right that's not gonna do nothing they're gonna do nothing but i think that's like there's it's it's I mean, it's, it's, it's capitalizing on a movement, right? It's, they know that it's something that they have to, to do it for the optics because we're in this moment and they're doing it. And I think that's the, that's the problem with social media in general, this social media era that we live in. There's like such a rush to be part of a trend before reflecting on what the action is actually for. For, yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know how often you check your email, but like in the last week, the amount of emails that I've gotten from companies that have never once spoken about anything political or about black people giving me their 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 thoughts about the police brutality here. And I'm like in some of these places, I'm like, wait a minute. Hold up. I could literally care about your prayers for George Floyd. I don't think his, his family cares either. I right. think what, what what we do care about is you talking about your shitty business practices. <laughs> right. Right. Because that's the thing. I mean, it's, you know, like now people can just hop on to this conversation about police brutality. But, you know, the conversation about police brutality is not can't be removed from all the other, you know, right. things that are happening to black and brown people in the country. Gentrification is violent. You know, the displacement of people yeah. of color is violent, violent. And all of those things, like, you know, the edu- the lack of funding for public education, especially in poor neighborhoods, is violent. And all of that combined is really what, you know, it, it's it's all oppression that happens to these groups that causes the, you know, the, the situations that, you know, we're, we're, our, these communities are in, our communities, you know. And you can't remove those things. Yeah, it's it's so it, it makes it all really icky. Like I I you know I work for a college uh, as many people know, and and there's a discussion kind of happening in one of my departments right about like you know kind of sending a letter out, and something that I I and some of my colleagues have mentioned was like, well, the thing that I don't want to do is send out one of these letters like Target sent out, you know, right. or like or you know. Uh, you know, I don't want to be Mark Cuban in a protest, you know, walking around like, hey, I'm aware. <laughs> right. I was like, no, I was like, honestly, as a person who's directly affected by this, I'm a black man. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I could be George Floyd any day. Mm-hmm. I need tangibles. So if you're going to send me a letter, I want tangible things you are doing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's all I care about. I don't really give a fuck about your, your prayers. Like, good. Right. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Bye. Go home. <laughs> Your prayers are cute, but they don't mean shit. Yeah. I'm an atheist. I'm playing. I'm joking. I'm not really, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what about I'm an atheist? You know, like, <laughs> I don't believe in God. <laughs> you know, some shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's whatever. It, right. it, but I think, I think it just boils down to like, come on, man. Like, it's empty. You don't really care. You just, you're yeah. worried. They're, they're worried about when this is all over, people are going to look at, at them as bad people. Right. Well, I think that's, like, that's the, 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 fundamental issue with you know being in a capitalist society right like uh, the optics are the brand 
So yeah. um, right now, this moment is is really important for brands to show that, hey, we're down with the cause. And it's like so hollow and so meaningless. And yet people somehow they, they you know, there are still some people out there that still find this, uh, find that action to be meaningful. You know, there's still people who find wow. celebrities speaking out on this or corporations speaking out on this to be meaningful. Well, what do you think about that? <laughs> um, you know, you know, I prompted this because I want to know what you have to say about it. Oh, uh, only if you tell me first. Um, I mean, <laughs> look, look, um, it's interesting. Like, I, you know, if if people know me, they know that my uh, my esteem for celebrities are are really low. You know, I, I love artists like Kachita, you know me like yes. the artists, the artists that I love, I, I speak about them like they're deities, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like I, 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 I love, I love prolific people, people who are like addicted to celebrity and celebrity culture and, and, and how it manifests itself. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't take. And the thing, the, the thing about celebrities that I don't think people acknowledge or no, I think they don't, they either acknowledge it or they don't care is celebrities are compromised, mm-hmm. you know, right? like they have to protect their brands. They have to protect right. their, their financial interests, right? Mm-hmm. It, it is in, it is in their, their interests that things go back to how they were. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like the, you know, I was rereading a uh, Fanon's, wretched of the earth and i'm I'm not gonna try to uh paraphrase fanon that would be like podcast suicide um <laughs> but but something that he had mentioned in 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 wretched of the earth that, that I, I that i always find really interesting was he he talks about how uh you know kind of bourgeois gatekeepers in in, in colonial societies have to operate mm-hmm. and the thing that they owe and and they've created a position for themselves and they may say certain things, but they will always do another because they have to protect their position. They are actually not in the interest of changing anything. So actually being a kind of person who's a kind of bridge between both between like the state who runs the colony and being, uh, and then, and between them and between the actual, you know, colonized people, them being like a bridge in between is a very powerful state, right? Mm-hmm. If 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 shit like if they lose the the uh, the, the the colonized people, they they then become the low totem pole people, right? So right. they need the colonized people for two reasons: so they don't go back to the bottom, mm-hmm. right? And or if the colonized people take over, they lose their position as well, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe if they did some fucked up shit for them, the colonized people may revolt against them and kick and you know and and ask you know for some uh, repentance for 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 bad deeds done during the colonial period. And that's what I think is happening with a lot of these people. Like you know, like I was having a conversation about like the whole Killer Mike, Ti thing mm-hmm. with some people today. You know, there was an article in in the Independent that I think was really good. Uh, a young Atlanta-based uh, activist, you know, wrote this really hard-hitting piece on Killer Mike and Ti, and you know, you know, Killer Mike. I mean, no secret, I've actually argued with the guy on Twitter. That wasn't fun. He's a, he's a, and and he's argued with like many like activists, like you know, and he's he can mm-hmm. be very standoffish. But what the article really exposed was that 
Killer Mike's compromise and T.I. T.I. is a different. I don't think T.I. is just not politically smart. I just think T.I. is like it's pretty obvious what's wrong with T.I. Like he's just not politically intelligent. I, I actually feel less angry with T.I. than I do with do with, I do with Killer Mike, actually. Right. Right. But but like Killer Mike, he's compromised like he is embedded in the financial system of Atlanta and the mm-hmm. United States. He has right. financial interest in this staying more or less the same so he can keep his gatekeeper status. Right. right. Whether he realizes it or not. I'm not saying he doesn't love black people. He doesn't love yeah. being back. He doesn't have a genuinely good heart. But I think I think some people get comfortable in their positions. Yeah. And the thing I don't understand about like the the love people have for Killer Mike is um, he's he's a capitalist, ultimately. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. he's very, very. He would admit that, too, though. Yeah. And he's and he's he's, you know. He has an element of respectability politics to him. There's something about him that's just not, um, that it doesn't make sense to me why people, people on the left-ish, left-ish, not the left-left, but left-ish, um, really give him props. And do you, but I, I, okay, do you, th- I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say a couple of things. Okay. I'm going to say three things. Mm-hmm. Do you see a lot of black left people who really like Killer Mike? Like left people, mm. black left people. Let me think about that. There's a lot of people. Okay, I mean, I think there's a distinction between what I think of is left and what people think of is left, right? Okay, or how people like, so, view so themselves. Like, so I think I I know a lot of brown, black, and white folks. Actually, let me just say, like brown and white folks, and maybe you're you're probably the only black leftist, self-identified leftist I know who who thinks this way um that yeah but then there's a lot of like um brown and white people who identify as being on the left that love him so that's what i'm gonna say the identify thing i think is big as i think Mm -hmm. they actually agree with him like i think one of the really dangerous things and this was like always my thing look I've, I warmed up to Bernie Sanders. I wasn't really a Bernie guy in 2016. Me too. Absolutely. Me I would have I I totally voted for him in 2016. Trust me. I, I'm, not, I'm not a Democrat. I'm an independent. I can't vote in the primaries. Mm-hmm. But if I was voting in the primaries, I would have voted for him. Mm-hmm. If he was in the election, I definitely would have voted for him. You know. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I warmed up more to Bernie, I have to say, this go around. Right. Yeah. Bernie is a lot. There's a lot of problems. I've definitely been disappointed in Bernie since he dropped out. I don't really love mm-hmm. what he's doing now. Um, mm-hmm. I, don't, I, I think he, he just fall, he has a thing where he falls in line and like after he loses and he just kind of pouts that I, I don't really particularly care for. But um, it's, yeah. yeah, he's he's he gets very pouty. I'm like, okay, well, just come on, you know, uh, you know, it's it's annoying. Right. And I, don't, right. I know a lot. I know a lot of people. A lot of people on, on the left are really down. Like some of his like people who love Bernie are like really yeah. down on him. But what I was, I'm going on that long side note to say, one of the things that I did agree with 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 hard left critique of Bernie was that his politics leave a lot open for people who like who like socialism cute, who like brand mm-hmm. socialism to kind of jump on. And hey, look, if, if that was going to help him get elected and, and not horrible as Hillary or terrible as Biden or keep fucking, you know, monster as Trump out the office, I was down with it. That's, I'm totally mm-hmm. fine. But if you look at the, the, the constituents of those people, they're not really people who think social. 
when when I think if socialism was implement implemented in a real way, they'd have problems with it. Mm-hmm. They like say, "Oh, I like socialism," right? And then someone who was a real socialist came in and was like, "All right, we're gonna do this." They'd be like, "Oh, wait a minute, I don't want I don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Why can't I do that?" Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, "But that's socialism," and they'd be like, "Oh, a word," you mm-hmm. know? And it's like. I think that was something that I agree with. So I think someone like Killer Mike, with the respectability shit, they like that. Look, man, some of these people don't like that, you know, black people are out here protesting. You know, there's people that we know, we've talked about it, who still say snide things about black people, you know, rioting, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and they consider themselves left and BLM supporters and stuff mm-hmm. like that and Bernie supporters. I see it, you know, and like... So I think Mike appeals to them because I think Mike in a really so Killer Mike is a couple of things like so I went to I went to a, a run a run the jewels show um, and I like run the jewels actually I think the new album just came out today and I like run the jewels I don't get me wrong you know like Mike's Mike's a dope MC LP's a dope producer they both have sorted histories um, mm-hmm. LP has a real sorted history that he's been able to escape from in New York that's a whole other conversation um, <laughs> we gotta get back you know, to that we, point <laughs> yeah we're not, we're not gonna get to that yeah, yeah yeah but like you know I, I couldn't do that alone I would have to like yeah. get some like people to really talk about that but he, right. he's not he, doesn't, he, he can't walk out of here unscathed there's people who mm-hmm. would talk and black people who would talk about LP a little like kind of funny but that's mm-hmm. a whole other conversation but but I went to the show, and one of the things that I noticed that made me uncomfortable was Mike has a way that he makes white people who like engaging in blackness in a very superficial way very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, like 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 you know, and it, it's not just him, like with like the n word in public and them feeling real comfortable to say it during a show, but it's the general energy that he gives off, and he the the kind of vibe he brings so they like that Mm -hmm. so he makes them really comfortable right and his statement the people that i saw posting a lot his uh his press conference were mostly white i saw some black people doing it but the black people that i saw posting it i consider to have pretty uh liberal center to right views to conservative Mm -hmm. views right you know i mean yeah. Killer Mike quotes quotes Thomas Sowell, you know, like right. That's what I mean. I mean, he's 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 a strange libertarian leaning ish um, person, like black person, and I mean, yeah, he must. I, I mean, I don't know who else is into. I, there's his music, which I like. Also, I'm like a big Run the Jewels fan, but um, his politics to me are super questionable, and I think yeah. there's a conflating of the two sometimes because you like his music like that his that his politics must be good and and they're not right and and i and i think i think i think that's what it is it's like there's also a way i just think in general that like black people are still like mascots so like you know like and this would be like a a larger conversation that i would want to like think about more before i would speak on it in a really specific way but like, there's a way that I feel like minstrelsy is a part of like black life in general, and there's like these like mascot minstrel moments. Like the minstrel is just not like blackface and like you know Al Jos- Al Jolson and mm-hmm. you know soft shoes. It, it's it's performance, right? Mm-hmm. And there's right. a way that like Mike performs. He's he's a perform. He's loud and says all mm-hmm. these things and uh, 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 right. 
Like, mm-hmm. I remember when I got into an argument with him on Twitter, like he just went into this like performance on Twitter. And I was like, and, and like, I just kept it calm being like, yeah, dude, why are you performing? I even think like, I even said that, like, why are you performing for your fans? Like I, I'm asking you like straight up questions. Like, yeah. you know, my, my, my big question with, with him was like, you know, he was making all these demands for black people to like, you know, uh, do this kind of financial thing. I was like, do you do that for your white counterparts like LP who you work with? Do you make LP right. uh, bank black? Right. And he right. and he never answered that question for me. Right. You know, that's 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 an interesting point that I, you know, I wonder about, you know, with especially with social media, you know, the conversation that we had about social media. I feel like we're in this era of just performance activism because it's so easy. Yeah. And yeah. And it's easy for somebody like Mike to just um to just take on these sort of you know personas. It's it's part of his brand. I mean that's the thing. It's his brand, right? It's just his right. brand. And 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 I'm not saying that Mike doesn't have genuine feelings. He doesn't have genuine cares. But look, the road to hell was paved with good intentions, mm-hmm. right? And feelings are not a barometer of, you know, I don't know what's the word. Feelings are not a like 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 genuine feelings are not a barometer of whether what you're doing is good. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I right. deal with that with my students all the time, right? Like I, I have students who who genuinely have a good intention, right? Mm-hmm. And but because they're not um, seasoned enough or well-educated enough on certain aspects, they, they make this choice, mm-hmm. right? And then I asked them, I said, why did you make that choice? Why did you choose to do that? They were like, well, I was really trying to help the person. I was like, you really asked that's the wrong thing. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, and I, I, and I believe them. They were trying to do something good, mm-hmm. but they just didn't have the intelligence. The problem, my biggest issue with, with Mike is he doesn't want to be educated further. Like, I, you know, I've mm-hmm. seen literal, like, scholars – like there's a scholar I respect, um, big time. I'm not gonna quote exactly wh- whether they had it in person or had it on Twitter. I can't remember. But there was a discussion with Mike about, you know, Mike is big into this, you know, banking black and mm-hmm. you know the bl- black buying power, which you know Dr. Jared Ball and people like Mersha Baradaran have like, you know put holes in as like complete mythology but he's big into it so whenever he's been presented with it he just fucking like flat out like yells at it and they're like there's scholars who've done years and years of like empirical data research on this stuff and you just deny it but it's his platform and he's making a lot of money doing it too i mean and people yeah people listen to him and you know he has no incentive to back down or to be you know to have humility around his ideas i wonder if anyone is even capable of engaging him in you know the flaws of his ideas i wonder if there's anyone he respects i don't think yeah i don't think he would get in i don't think he would get in the ring with them i don't think he'd do that like he like i don't see him sitting down with like a re with like a really left black uh scholar Mm -hmm. about those things he won't do that right he's you know he's smart enough to know that Places like Bill Maher are his platform. Right, right. And yeah, and when you, you know, you even see him talking to Bill Maher, he's so, it's, it's a strange line that he tries to yeah. walk where he's really trying to be accommodating while, you know, sort of giving the optics that he's, you know, showing up for, for people of color and black people. But 
it's it's a really weird thing to watch because I don't know watching him talk to Bill Maher is just super uncomfortable for me. Oh, I agree. I mean, watching anybody talk to Bill Maher, like who was that guy? Was it Reza Aslan? I'm, 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 yes, I remember like. Well, you know, he used to be like I got I got a lot of respect for him when he when after like one of these Bill Maher things, he just refused to go on again. Yeah, I was like, you know, what, right. Reza, I have respect for you. At least you seem to have uh, an endpoint, right? Uh, right? A point of no return, right? right. I'm like, Mike, what, what's your point of no return, bro? <laughs> I, know. I know that's true. I think um, there's also. Uh, was it Glenn Greenwald or um, the other guy who yeah. gets intercepted? One of them, or maybe both of them, will never return again because of yeah Mars problematic. I mean, he has so much problematic shit. I mean, and but and that's the thing. Like someone like Greenwald, and like I know people have a lot of criticisms of Glenn Greenwald, um, whether they're they're found they're founded or, or accurate or not. But like I I think Glenn Greenwald is more principled than Killer Mike. Yeah. I think he's more principled than Killer Mike. You may not agree with his principles, but like I, I at the very least understand them. <laughs> right, right. And he stuck to his and, guns till now. Yeah, you know what? Like, yeah, I, that's what I said. I mean, you may not. I think with someone like Greenwald, um, or like even like a Naomi Klein, right? Mm-hmm. It's within it's within their parameters. Like you get it. Right. I right. may not agree with them everything politically. Like or Cornell West is like that too. Like a lot of people like shit on Cornell West because of the Obama stuff, but like mm-hmm. I don't really buy that because like even like the people are like, Oh, he's just mad that Obama didn't, you know, reach out to him. And I was like, Well, you can look at it two ways. He's taking it personally, or he thought that Obama was going to make a gesture to the black left. Mm-hmm. And then cutting out West, who he who he who he showed was his connection to the black left showed that he had no interest in being connected to the black mm-hmm. left during his presidency. That's right, how I take right. it. Right. And the proof is in the pudding. He had no interest in the black left. Right. I mean, he was straight up a, you know, he was a neoliberal. Yeah, exactly. So it's like now we're, oh, why is he criticizing him? I was like, because the dude doesn't want to connect with black left folk like Cornel West. I would do the same shit. Right. You would do the same thing. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it could be both things too, maybe, you know, but I think what you're saying is true. It's like, it, you know, fine, his ego might be hurt. And also, yeah. you know, it, he does represent the black left. And he's, yeah, you know, exactly. and he's still, he's still, I mean, he has, he's another person who has stuck to his guns. He's remained consistent in his principles. Right. Like, I, I think they'd have a better argument, like, if, say, like, Obama, like, kicked Cornell West to the curb, but then he went out and, like, called Jared Ball and, like, right. he was working with Jared Ball. That That's right. different, right? right? You know, or he went out and found another, like, set of black left people he liked more than Dr. West. And I'd be like, okay, right. Right. okay, shit. Right. Uh, Cornell, you still mad, homie? Come on, it's not like he, he just dumped you, but he found someone who was who who, who was on that level, though. No, right. and in Corn and Cornell West is not perfect. Trust me, he's not right. perfect. Right. I mean, he also but represents like, the elite institutions, you know. Totally, yeah. and and I mean that's a better criticism of him than like right. this Obama thing that I think a lot of people go to. But like, you know, it, it, it's a. I, I say all this to just be like. People like Mike, they celebrity, and I, I, I mean, let me get about Mike. Celebrities, their interests are really not us. Their interests are really themselves, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, and 
that's that's how I feel about all of that. You know, I just yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that to say, so. celebrities suck. No, I'm just kidding. I I just I want they kind of yeah, do though. They, they do. <laughs> I think. I mean, they're they're you know they're just another extension of this like of this again individualistic capitalist you know culture that we have where everything is uh, for sale including your own personal your persona right well then, so then i have to ask you i'm gonna ask you this question conchita Uh-oh. Do, do no and i want you to yeah. be no because this is this is what i'm thinking i'm wondering mm-hmm. and this goes to i think everything that's happening with you know burning things down and people thinking that we just gotta like start over do you think that we can repair the society? Like, is it do you? Someone actually asked me that today. Like, I, I, I haven't, I haven't been able to answer it. And he's probably sitting there going, "How can we even answer this?" And I'm like, "Do you think it can be repaired? Like, is there a way?" I know this is a huge question, but like, <laughs> is there like, is there an actual way to do that? Like, even if you don't see it. Do you think there is an actual way to repair the society where we're going to be like, okay, this works? I don't, I don't think, I mean, at least not in the, the existing structure that we have. Maybe if we all became like individual countries where maybe it's small enough to have some of the reforms that might have an impact on people in terms, because I, I just think this country is way too big and way too, uh, multicultural, um, meaning it's the nation state, right? It's the nation state. It's the fact that, like, you know, you have this whole culture of white people, you know, and white supremacy that's just been here for since the start of America, right? That I just yeah. don't have any faith. I think there can be, you know, very tiny bits of progress in terms of rights, but even then. I don't think it would be enough to, for people of color, especially black people, to live with dignity and safety in their day-to-day lives. I just don't think that's possible. So I have a question that's been racking in my head that's totally related to what you just said. And this is the thing that I've been wrestling with that I don't have an answer to. So... A good friend of ours, he made a post today, and if he's listening to this, he'll know. Um, he talked about, you know, uh, not wanting to have conversations with people in his family who are, like, far right. He's like, he's really annoyed with it. But he was like, should I be open to, like, con- talking with these people? Am I being as close-minded as, as, as them? And it's my opinion that, he, that, that he's not. And I said to, and, and, and I, I said something to him, but what I would say to him if we were talking – it's something that I've been wrestling with. I don't believe, I don't understand why I have to live with everyone. If I don't agree with a right winger, why do I have to share a country with this person? I hate to say it. I've been honestly thinking about it a lot. I've, I've, I'm there with you. I don't. I honestly think, I think about it a lot. Like, I don't, look. I wouldn't be in a marriage with someone that I find to be diametrically opposed to me in politics or views on race and, you know, equality on gender and sexuality. I wouldn't do that. So why do I want to build a community with anyone like that? Right. I think there's just so much 
wrong with the country structurally that for us to have any progress, I, I, I mean, I just don't see it because I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's studies that show that proximity to other people, you know, of different, different kinds of people, um, and different backgrounds, different ethnicities, uh, class backgrounds makes for a more, uh, not just a more, I don't want to say harmonious, but it, it builds understanding between groups who might not otherwise have understanding, right? That's why New York is a place that is very unique in that way. Like, you know, people say New Yorkers are rude, but I think New Yorkers are probably the most tolerant people that I've yeah, ever come totally. across, you know, because I think because there's, the city is so dense that you're forced to sort of deal with different kinds of people every day, right? But the rest of the country is not like that. Um, it was built right. on, you know, on separation, on segregation. And for for there to be any really meaningful change, the de entire demographics of the country would have to change. The geography would have to change. The lines of, um, what do they call it? The, the redistricting, the, the where, how people vote would have to change. Yeah. There would have to be just um, the electoral college would have to change, which would require a constitutional amendment. There would just be so many things that you would need to do for there to even be a slight shift. But think about that, Conchita. You're also then asking them for to agree with us on how it should be changed. They're not even right. going to agree on that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I mean. <laughs> that I just don't think that that would even happen. I don't even think it would even be possible. Right. So this 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 is where I stand in in 2020, right? And I is it separatism? And look, look, I'm not saying I don't want any difference. Trust me. Like mm -hmm. I like look my friend group, you know, one of my, you know, I have friend groups that are like with when it comes to ideas on many things have a lot of different types of ways of of, of viewing them. I do like nuance. But I I'm not into this thing that like I need to just be friends with any old kinds of people and live in a community with all kinds of people. I would not move my myself into a community with Trumpers knowingly, no, willingly. No. Why? No. So then, no. so that I don't understand why the same thing should not apply in thinking about building a society with them. And this is this is where I don't understand how we in modern society are going about building nations i don't get it i don't right. get it it doesn't it doesn't make sense you know what i'm saying right. and granted what i'm what i'm proposing i think is would never happen it's too big you know but where i'm at is i've had what well, well, actually where, where it's left me is that it's left me with a sadness because I just don't feel like I'm ever going to live in a place where I'm comfortable. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine, you know, if let's say New York city was its own country, you know, minus, you know, like, let's say the, the New York that you knew, um, if that was its own country, I mean, because New York state is like one of the biggest economies, right. In the, in the world, right. The um, world. Yeah. So it could theoretically sustain itself. We have no military though, but but would you, would that be something that you could imagine? I don't know. New York's really fucked up though. It is, but it's on a much New York's smaller really scale. Up, though. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I think I would need something more, more, more drastic. 
like what I'm asking for really isn't possible. Like I remember like 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 we're talking about how like like the whole like Cali seceding thing, and I was like, <laughs> the reason why I always thought that thing was kind of comedic because I was like, you act like everyone in California is like on some like right. deep shit. Like right. go to fucking Orange County, motherfucker. You ain't gonna find no deep people there. You gonna find some real assholes. <laughs> Like some real evil, True. evil people live in California right. who who are who are help making your world hard. Okay, like Ronald Reagan was your governor. <laughs> like stop it, you right. know. And I got love for Cali, but like this idea. So I I don't want to romanticize New York. Where I would say is, I I I like uh I'm not gonna try to quote him, but uh George Monboy. He he had some interesting things about building new societies in a in a in a in an article that I read for him years ago, but I don't really remember. But one of the things he talked about was kind of I think attached to what I'm saying here, where it's like, why are we living with each other? Mm-hmm. Like why? Why do I choose to live with you? Mm-hmm. Like the same way I'm thinking about uh, an intimate relationship or a friendship or a mm-hmm. business partnership. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Or a community organization, or I'm going to this school, right? Why am I choosing it? Right now, we're just in nations because this is what we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're born here. Oh, shit, it's where I live. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, and then sometimes people leave those nations, you know, because they don't like them there or they right. meet someone and they find a better place, you know, that, that's more aligned to them. You right. know, but think about how many people who go to other nations, they like them, but they, they can't stay because of, you know, visas and shit like right, that. Right, But, like, I don't know. For me, like, if New York seceded, I mean, yeah, but I feel like New York would, like, become a smaller police state. Hmm. You oh, know, right. New York is, is run. Especially, especially, yeah, and, you know, <laughs> the, the, the history of New York, especially, I want to talk about New York. Well, New York State's another issue. New York City. Right. New York, New York City, you know, is run is historically run by gangsters, right? And I, I'm 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 not just talking about like you know like 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 Don Corleone gangsters. Like gangsterism is a part of our politics, right? You know, like like um, have you ever seen a uh, King of New York by Abel Ferrara? No. Yeah, great movie. Like, I don't think so. Have I? No. Chris Walken, uh, Larry Fishburne, uh, Wesley Snipes, David Caruso, like great classic movie. Mm-hmm. And I watched it again recently. I watch it like twice a year. It's like one of my favorite movies. And one of the things that I really dig about it is, um, so for those who have not seen it, Chris Walken plays this uh, guy, uh, Frank White. He just got out of prison. He's like a major gangster. He's Italian, right? But mm-hmm. uh, Frank White's big kind of um, you know attribute that makes him a little different than regular Italians is his whole gang is multicultural. So he has black people, he has Latinos, right? He's kind of the new age of gangster. The Italians hate him because he hangs out with the black people. Um, the weird thing is there's no rival blacks who don't like him, which I think is a flaw in the film, but that's, a, that's another, another, another story. Um, the, you know, everyone who's really um, uh, ethnically attached to being like single ethnic hates Frank White, right? Mm-hmm. So it can be problematic, but the reason why I like the movie is, is, is on, on this tip, right? Frank White's dream is to actually legitimize gangsterism, and he wants to, like, go in and build schools. Mm-hmm. He wants to be this kind of, like, gangster. And, he, and he, he points out constantly to the politicians that you basically do what I do. 
you just don't go as far as I go. You mm. need to incorporate me and I'm going to make this city happen. Look at what I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting movie because it shows how New York is really this place that it's like a wild it's like a wild west a little bit. Especially well really back then. I think New York's got more corporate. Mm -hmm. It's always been corporate, but I think that kind of energy doesn't exist anymore. But back then it was really about this like this this uh, you know, gangster who can come in and kind of take it over. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's not successful at the end in the movie. It kind of shows how like that that kind of era was dying and before like the corporate takeover would would happen. But that's what I liked about the movie was it exposed the kind of energy of New York that even the people who claim to like want to help you are really like also selling cocaine in your back in, 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 in your <laughs> right. in, in your neighborhood. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're selling your kid heroin. You know what I'm saying? Right. The guy who built right. your hospital also like poison your mom. Right. <laughs> you know? Like it's the same fucking thing. And and like the cops are also like the cops are just as gangsterish. They right. just don't go as far as Frank White will. Or and when they try to go as far as Frank White will, he kicks their ass. And it's just like <laughs> it's just so like if New York City was like siphoned to itself, oh hell no, nah, man. We'd all be in trouble. Oh, we we'd be dead. We fucked up, man. Be bad. <laughs> So is there is there a place in the world, you know? Obviously, there's no the whole idea of nation states is 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 flawed, right? But is there a place that you know you think is not as problematic in so many ways as as the U.S. I mean, there's some places that I want to go and see. Okay. Um, I, I'm going to say two things. I think globalization has really changed the world. Absolutely. Like. I think global superpowers, like, so, so if it's not the U.S., it's the other superpowers right. who are, like, affecting parts of the world. I mean, I've traveled, but I haven't traveled that well. There's, like, little pockets of places that I've heard about that are supposed to be really nice or have. But I, I wonder how long they'll be able to survive if, yeah. they are as, if they are as great as people claim right. them to be, you know? Right. Um, I think of just, like... You know, at this point, I mean, the standards are so low for us here in the U.S. I think of things just as basic as, you know, universal health care um, and not com going completely broke because of your health. Right. You know, things like that that are, you know, at the very least or, or just places where they, you know, the, where they do government funding for artists to do work. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the crazy thing, though, is like, so I, I lived in Western Europe for a while and like mm -hmm. that was a thing, but, but you know, that's gone down for Western European countries as, as, they, as, as they've gone more into austerity right. and, and, you know, I mean, and, you know, social, uh, social democracy is, I, can, I mean, would I say it failed or it's, you know, it's on its last leg. That's why you saw the, like the Le Pens and all that mm -hmm. shit kind of happening and, and all the fascists, you know, risings in Western Europe because social democracy was, was such a failure as it went into neoliberalism and shit like that. So, mm -hmm. you know, and like it, 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 I don't know. Like I, I, I think, I think our, it's weird. Like, I think our world is actually more interconnected than we give it credit. Mm -hmm. I used to not believe in that. I used to not believe in this whole, like, oh, the whole world is one thing. I was like, no, I don't know about that. Now I'm starting to be like, I don't know, maybe people were like right, but not in the way I, you know, I, I think there's a, we're all kind of doing shit the same, I feel like. And, and 
I don't I think I think the idea that you can escape what's happening in the world I think is 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 becoming a, is 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 dangerous. I don't think we can. Well, on that positive can. note, just kidding. <laughs> uh, I feel like yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Con- no, no, I feel like we're conversation. It's like one of my movies. Gonna end up- <laughs> Every everything I do ends sad. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, hopefully my classes don't end sad. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask my students. <laughs> Actually, I'd be curious what your students would think too. Actually, you know, I think a lot of my students find me very positive, which is very interesting. Huh. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. But well, see, I, you know, I don't find you to be negative. I just find you to be very, you know, harshly honest. realistic. <laughs> Yeah. Like you're you're yeah. simultaneously like a realist and an optimist because I think your i you, what you want of the world is an idealistic view, um, but you know yeah. that you know realistically it's not achievable in this shitty yeah society. Well, you know, you know what I said. You know what I always think about is like I kind of go of what people say. They're like, we want you to be happy. What would make you happy? Then I tell you, well, this would make me happy. There we go would make you happy <laughs> and I'm like why can't I have that you know what I'm saying right. and I'm like but you asked me what would make me happy I told you why is it not acceptable you know like right and I think that's the thing with uh, with artists is that you know artists are the you know um, artists push us to think beyond like what's possible right and that's yeah, the point of yeah. art or it should be the point of art it, so, you know, in a capitalist society, yeah. sometimes it's not what art or I mean, all right, that's a whole other conversation, art and content. But yeah. that's tangent. what art should be. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. No, I say tangents. No, I know. I know. Right. Not a really a tangent, though. It's part of the everything. But right. Yeah. Well. But as far as like, well, you know, how we get out of this current crisis, I, I hope I at least hope that something changes. From this crisis, I mean, I, I know it won't be the the huge change that we actually need, but shit, I just can't imagine continuing on in this same remake that happens every year. Well, the one thing I do, I am pretty certain about, is I do think we're entering an era where I think a good amount of people acknowledge that this system doesn't really work what i don't know is what people's reaction to that is going to be you feel me like i could see a very fatal kind of you know put your head down well i'm just gonna have this go with it kind of attitude or the opposite um a very then let's burn it down or, you know, probably most likely there'll be a mix. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I don't have necessarily any faith in is that this will actually come down. You know, mm-hmm. um, my worry is I think that it's going to reconstitute itself in an even more, I don't know, highly functionally highly functioning destructive model yeah because i think for most people i i honestly think most people in in the u.s don't 
have a deep enough understanding and they might empathize with, you know, with, with things that happen, you know, like the murder of George Floyd, like they might see it on TV and empathize with it. But I don't, I think most Americans don't feel it personally enough to really demand what the change that's needed. And, and so what I think would happen would be that as long as there's the optics of some kind of change, people would feel good enough to go along with it and say, oh, okay, we did something. It's fine. Right. So, like, I, I, I saw a conversation about policing. And one of the things that I think is very interesting is that there are people who don't believe you can have a world without police. Oy. That, like, police is actually a necessary part of the world. Hmm. And I was like, no, police, police is a, is a construct really to protect property. If you would notice in the, 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 the history of laws and why laws were implemented in society, it's about property and ownership, right? You, you make laws for people to own things, right? Mm-hmm. So you, then you need police to protect the ownership of property, right? A, your body being property in, mm-hmm. and especially in a society like our own. So you have police, right? I'm not saying there's not police in communist societies. Of course there are, but they also dealt with property and property was a very big deal in, you know, communist mm-hmm. societies and, you know, authoritarian communist societies as well. But like, like it's interesting. A lot of it is the lack of the imagination that I think people have. And that's what I'm thinking about. Like, mm-hmm. that's why I think you're going to have a lot of like this, this shit sucks and will never work with me. And then people put their head down and just kind of go with the flow right. or like become more or become nefarious themselves. Think about how many people who are like that. Like, why am I going to fight the system? I'm just going to mm-hmm. get mine. Right. Yeah. Right. And to some degree, the system just is designed in a way to, to to force people's heads down so that that they comply, right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, in, I mean, that's what the that's what the policing is doing. It's like people. I, I think people. All the policing tactics are about doing two things: demoralizing, right? Mm-hmm. The the protesters to constantly demoralize them, and and then we're talking about like the cops kneeling and stuff. Is to then make their make their um, their cause into something that they can uh, make into like a parade, right? Right, celebratory. Mm-hmm. Like we celebrate your anger. <laughs> it's like it's really absurd, actually. You know what I'm saying? It's funny. I saw this woman. I, I or a friend of mine retweeted this great one. A woman said she likened police kneeling with protesters to abusive uh husbands who bring flowers to their wives yes yes i said i said woo! i said <laughs> done finished like finished <laughs> done right that's the right. end no more we are we are finished i was like that's perfect Right. That's perfect. But I think, you know, the problem with the conversation about the police is this whole, again, it's just like applying this individualist lens on the cops. Like, there are good cops and there are bad cops. But the problem is it's it's systemic. The system of, the whole, even like you said, the whole concept of the police to protect property is already inherently, you know, oppressive. Right? 
Yeah. And and it, look at our society. Property ownership is 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 literally the basis of of our oppression, right? Black mm-hmm. people used to be we used to people exactly. are property. It, right. It's, it's it's literally the basis of the oppression of the society. Branding. Mm-hmm. You know, black people were the first humans to be branded, you know. It's like things like that. It's like mm-hmm. and the cops are here to uphold what is here. And that's right. what it is. So right. if you think it ain't doing anything different, you know, mm-hmm. you are gravely mistaken. Right. Well, Alrighty. you know, the next well, the next episode, we can talk about voting and how that's not going to change anything. Another uplifting oh, be, episode. <laughs> you know what? I actually, you know what? Let's do that next, actually, because I yeah, actually for sure. I, I I'm actually very curious at what you think about that, because I. I, I need to I need to have a real long conversation with you about the Supreme Court thing because that seems to be the only thing that people can use, like when they when they have nothing else left, the Supreme mm-hmm. Court thing is the thing they bring up. But I it, I'm not saying I don't agree with it, but I just mm-hmm. I really I want to I feel like it needs to be squeezed out. Yeah, I also just thought, I mean just generally like I mean we, we we'll get it into the next episode, but I I don't think that's enough, like. Right. Yeah. It's not that I don't agree right. with it. I do, but I don't think it's enough to, to you know, to get somebody to vote. Like it's it, and it's also not this, enough yeah. to vote nationally. You know, I have much a yeah. much stronger argument for local and state voting, even though that you know has its problems also. But for for yeah. voting on the national level, like to me to to just say like oh you should do it because of the Supreme Court, it's it's still not enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> Here, here is what I would like. To, maybe I'll do this before next week, or yeah. we could do this together. Is I would like to actually look at a liberal leaning court's record versus a right leaning court record, mm-hmm. and just literally like I know there's certain things like reproductive rights. Yes, we know that, but I want to get into the weed segregation. But I want to get into the weeds of it because I think there's right. sometimes this idea that lib that 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 liberal courts mm-hmm. are just like heaven right and i'm like is that really true right well you also have to understand like the limits of the courts are they're they're trying to interpret you know how how like years long old you know documents the the constitution right and and it's it's strange it's a strange thing to try to do right because you know you're trying to interpret something that you don't know it's like applying you know things that didn't even exist to a document or yeah things that didn't even exist to when the document was created right so so you're saying it's date it's dated right exactly essentially right and so when you're trying to interpret something i think that's really it's so it's so subjective and there's a limitation i don't know Mm. and i don't know shit about law i'm gonna take the next week and ask a lot of lawyers we could also ask kevin to come on (laughs) We asked Kevin to come on. I know a right. few lawyers out there. I feel like I want to ask like a dozen and just right. get their opinion. I'm, and I'm going to write them down. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Because I think, uh, yeah, actually Kevin and his wife, Megan, would be good to ask. Yeah. Because I think if I think even he is pretty um, cynical at this point as to what the possibility right. is. Well, that's the interesting thing, and like, and we could end. I know we're kind of getting in, in, into the right. topic. The interesting thing about 
I, with some lawyers that I talk to, like, I find, like, you know, and lawyers, if you're listening, like, lawyers, like, I find, like, like, like any other profession, just, like, you know, like, 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 like I'm a filmmaker. So okay. when you talk to me, like, you know, about film, you know, I can have these very, like, you know, straight out answers about film and what I feel that are very genuine and real. Mm-hmm. But you get, like, a few drinks in me, you know, <laughs> right. give me a few, give me a few cocktails. And you say, I'm too, mate, what you really think about the film industry? <laughs> and I'd be like, well, let right. me tell So right. I have a few lawyers that I know. And when I've gotten a few drinks in them, <laughs> I ask them these questions. And they'd be like, all right, let me tell you. The-. And they get, they get real quiet. They look around. Right. And they'd be like, all right, let me tell you the real shit of how, how the law fucks you. Right. And why this is bullshit. Right. You know? Yeah. I think my, and yeah. I, I want that. I want that. Not your, <laughs> like, I want, okay, like, really, though. Right. <laughs> Like my but sense like, is that really, you know, I think just because the law, the 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 U.S. law was written, um, really to protect wealthy white people, right? I think it's just I, right. I think there's going to be that limitation when it comes to the Supreme Court or any any of the courts, yeah. really, right? Like no matter what you do. Yeah. But uh, yeah. there's a we can end on this. There's a really good documentary that I saw called "The Law in These Parts." It's about the law. It's about the men who wrote the uh, law between the, mili- the, the, the basically the occupied zone for Palestine in Israel. Mm. Mm. And it's a, it, an Israeli guy um, directed it. And it's it basically him is basically I think, doing, doing a hit job on, on the country he grew up on. He just really, and I, and I don't say hit job in a negative way, like he just felt like, you know, it's really bad. And what he exposed about it, what I like to talk a lot was, that they literally like wrote the law to oppress. Mm. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was literally their aim, and he gets them right. to admit it. Wow! <laughs> and he gets them to 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 protect the property that they were trying, which right. was Israel, which 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 was it was is uh the land, right? Which is is I can't imagine is not uh unsimilar to how the you know the U.S. Of course constitution was it was this, directed. This was someone else's land, right? They stole the land and they were like, now it's ours. And now we're going to write some rules and laws about us owning this land. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well we can you there. know, we could end it there. And Un- until, until next time. Until. To the bad man with a gun and a knife and a waistband with the war with the devil and shaitan he wore a bad toupee and a spray tan so high now hoping that i land on a tight stick moving through thailand on the radio heard a plane hijack government did that like the cook crack i'm moving the world of conspiracies obey no rules i'm doing me smoke kush transport to the airport customs that are joining my passport full cash and i gave him what he asked for god damn it it's a motherfucking miracle small bride made it back into america